ladies, if you take your Bibles uh, tonight and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight we're going to read verses 32 through 40, the great faith hall of fame in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 32 to 40. When you found your scriptures, would you please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word? I'll begin reading at verse 32 if you'll join me at verse 33 down through the end of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. And let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that we hold in our hands this evening the entire truth of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust every word on its pages. We pray, Father, you would use this word tonight to help us, to challenge us, to encourage us, and to change us. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight, anybody watching via the live stream, that has yet to settle the matter of where they're going to spend eternity, Lord, even now, would you speak to their heart, and would you please draw them to Christ? Help us to listen, to learn, and to grow. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Several weeks ago, the men on the pastoral staff and I sat down together to prayerfully consider a theme for the year 2023. It seems like here we are the last Sunday of January and we're just kind of getting around to things. Uh, and I totally take all of that on myself with the heart issues in and out of the hospital the last year. It just seems it's been a little harder to get, get ahead of things uh, and so forth. So, uh, we, uh, we, we've been working on it and praying through it, and uh, we tossed around a lot of ideas. Our staff meetings can be uh, interesting. Sometimes they are just deeply thoughtful and spiritual. Other times it's like, you guys have been drinking way too much Red Bull, uh, that type of things. 
Uh, but there seemed to be a consensus as we talked that we needed a, a theme this year that would it help to challenge and to encourage us uh, because of just the situations of life. Everybody's dealing with inflation. Everybody's dealing with the political climate. Uh, there's so much uncertainty in our world today uh, and so forth. And uh, it, it seems like the pessimism and the frustration and the encouragement that's out there in the world is, is seeping into the church and into the lives of God's people. And uh, as we talked about it and tossed around some ideas, we, we all sort of prayerfully came to the idea we need to have a theme that reflects what God would have us to be in the difficult days in which we live. And somewhere along the line, we decided on the theme, the heart of a champion, the heart of the champion. It has never been God's plan for his people to be the down and outers. Now that doesn't always mean uh, that, that we are always popular, that we always get our way or anything like that, but it's never been God's plan for us to live discouraged and defeated and dissatisfied lives. That's not God's plan. Uh, if you'll keep your place in Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be back there. Go to Joshua chapter number one. The Old Testament, Joshua chapter number one. There are so many dozens and dozens of verses we could look at tonight. We'll look at just a few of them. Joshua chapter number one is is. The Lord speaks to Joshua when Moses has passed off the scene and he is now responsible to take over the leadership of the nation of Israel. God says to him, verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Joshua is facing the most daunting task of his life. Not only is he going to assume leadership of the nation of Israel, some two and a half million people strong, but he has got to do what Moses never did, and that is go into the promised land and conquer seven nations that God has already told them are greater and mightier than thou. And Joshua's got to do this, but God said over and over again, don't be dismayed, don't be afraid, be strong, be courageous, I'm with you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to help you to have the victory. That's been God's plan always for his people. Turn, if you would, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41. Isaiah, chapter 41. Verse that the Lord drew my attention to when I was 
19 or 20 years of age in, in Bible college. I shared this recently with Vicki Edwards as they were going through a particularly difficult stretch of, of time with Bill and his health issues. And uh, I shared this verse with her. Vicki actually has put it to, to melody. She's put a tune to it. And uh, she sang it to Bill several times that day. She has quoted it to him a number of times. And in some ways, it's become their verse. Isaiah 41 and verse 10, God is speaking to his people. He says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So we see God speaking to his people saying, I know everything's against you. I know you've got challenges before you, but don't be dismayed. Do not lose your joy. The testimony of a five or six year old girl, I'm hyped up on joy. Truth of the matter is, uh, that ought to be the testimony of every one of us that knows Christ. The fruit of the spirit is love, then what? Joy, peace, long-suffering, uh, and so forth. Uh, God's plan for us is for you and I to live in spiritual victory. Turn, if you would, to the book of Philippians. Again, I'm just right now uh, preaching and speaking and sharing from the top of my head. There are dozens and dozens of places we could look at Scripture. These are the most familiar. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 13, could you read that verse with me? If you even have to read it, many of you know it. Here we go, ready. I can do. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. This is not a matter of I think I can, I think I can, you know, the little engine that could, something like that. This is a spiritual truth through Christ, through the strength that the Lord Jesus Christ supplies to us, we can do all things. What were the things he was talking about? Back up just a little bit. Verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, Paul says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased. That means to be at a low point, And I know how to abound when my treasures are overflowing. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I can still be a victorious Christian. Just because I'm going through a rough patch doesn't mean that I have to be without joy and without peace because I have Christ and I can go through all of those things and I can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Turn, if you would, back a few pages to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice the comparison between that and Philippians 4.13. God never asks us to be strong in our own strength. He never expects us to stand on our own two feet. It's always his strength that helps us. Uh, he says again, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil does not play fair. 
By the way, we are going back to the theme of, uh, uh, of uh, not being, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm losing. What is it? Lest Satan should get advantage of us. Thank you. I had one of those senior moments. They come a lot more often. Uh, we're going back to that theme uh, next Sunday evening. Uh, but the devil does not play fair. He is a constant enemy. But the Bible says that we are able through the power of Christ to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. God's desire is for you and I to be victorious Christians. Now that, that, that does not always mean that we get our way. The idea of being a, a, a champion for Christ, the heart of a champion, doesn't mean that uh, our team always wins. Um, it, it doesn't mean that we are a champion and, and if we claim these promises of God, uh, every time there's an election, our party is going to win the election. How many have found that this is not always true? Okay, uh, if, you, if you have a pulse, you should have figured that out by now. Uh, but did you understand that politics don't play into being a victorious Christian living? Uh, and can I just put this out there? The church is not a political action committee. This is where we come to serve Christ. This is where we come to learn the truths of God's word. This is where we come to be able to be armed to go out there in that world and live victoriously and be a, be a true and vibrant witness for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in a dark and sinful world that we live in. Um, vic a victorious Christian life, the heart of a champion is a real thing. We look throughout the Bible and we'll look at some, some illustrations of individuals in the course of our study in this. Uh, some of the most famous people of the Bible uh, are individuals that went through the worst of times. Is there anyone like Joseph from the book of Genesis? Uh, is there anybody whose life pictures the heart of a champion anybody any better than Joseph? You understand for the first 30 years of that man's life, his life was difficult. He had 10 older brothers that despised everything about him almost from the day that he was born. He had a father that loved him but expressed that love unwisely and made Joseph a favored son and, and showered favoritism on him and widened the gap between he and his 10 older brothers. His brothers, the Bible says, could not speak peaceably unto him. When God began to speak to Joseph and reveal truth to him, uh, his brothers hated him yet the more. They sold him into slavery. But even in slavery, the Lord was with him. He stayed right with God. He did not let it destroy his spirit. He did not let it destroy his testimony. Even the man who bought him in slavery, Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard, looked at this Hebrew slave and he saw that the Lord was with him. Do your co-workers see that the Lord is with you or do they see you as just like everybody else on the payroll? You're just as mad as everybody else. You're just as grumpy as everybody else. You're just as frustrated as everybody else. Or do they look at you and do they see that, that you've got something that's worth having? I told you the story that when I was a youth pastor in upstate New York, one Thursday morning, a teenager from our church and I went out soul winning together. It was a rainy Thursday. 
uh, and, and we were uh, on this country road uh, outside of Newark, New York, in upstate New York. We came to a double-wide trailer, and we knocked on the door that morning, and a gentleman answered the door. His name was Butch. Butch answered the door, and I said, Hi, my name is Tom. This is my friend Greg. We're from Heritage Baptist Church in Palmyra, and he stopped me when I got that far. He said, Heritage Baptist Church, I know somebody that goes to your church. And I wasn't sure whether this was going to be a good conversation or a bad one. He said, I know somebody that goes to your church. And he named them a man named Glenn. He said, uh, I've worked with Glenn for years. And he began telling uh, Greg and I the story. He said, Glenn was the most miserable, miserable, the meanest guy that I've ever had the privilege to have to work with. He said, nobody liked him. He had a, a dirty mouth. He had a bad temper. He was cross. He was just one of the hardest people. You, you, nobody could get along with Glenn. So Glenn started going to your church and something happened to him and he's different. Can you tell me how to get what Glenn has? Glenn Hunt was his name. Um, do, do your coworkers see that in you? Do they see the change of Christ in you? Joseph's boss, Joseph's owner, he's a slave in Egypt, saw that the Lord was with him. But even as things are starting to look up and God's blessing him in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. She, she began to lust after him. She tried to seduce him time after time after time. And Joseph would not give in to her, into her corruption, into her temptation. He kept saying, no, God forbid that I should sin against my master and against God in having you. And he refused till finally she accused him of trying to molest her. Potiphar didn't even listen to Joseph's side, just had him thrown into prison. So here's a young man who's, who's gone from a, a bad home situation to a slavery situation and now he's in prison and in all of it he's done nothing wrong he's done absolutely nothing wrong and yet in prison here is this young man he has been falsely accused can you get much lower in life than that and yet the jailer looked at this young Hebrew prisoner and the Bible says he saw that the Lord was with him you could not put Joseph into a situation where he lost his faith. You could not put him into a situation where he lost his testimony. Joseph had that walk with God. He had the heart of a champion. Would you understand that is God's desire, not just for a Joseph or a Joshua, but for every one of God's children. That is God's plan for us. God wants us to be, uh, be champions uh, in our struggles, in our battle with temptation. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. James tells us that every man is tempted. Every single one of us deals with that. And the devil's always trying to entice us to do that which is wrong. But notice what God promises in, in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. We're all made of the same flesh. We may, all, we may not all have the same weaknesses, but we all go through the same kind of temptation. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. God will never allow us to be tempted beyond our ability to say no. He's made a promise, God is faithful. No man can say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make us do a thing. We do what we do because we want to. We lose our temper because we want to. We curse and swear because we want to. We're, we're mean to others because we want to. We lie because we want to. We steal because we want to. But the Bible says, God will not suffer us to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That's a remarkable promise. In other words, God wants you and I to have victory over sin. That besetting sin that Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, the sin which does so easily beset us. There are some, there are some things that don't bother me. I'm not tempted with cigarettes. I don't even like the smell. I'm not tempted with alcohol. I'm not tempted with drugs. Um, other people, man, any one of those, it's a constant battle. It's, it's a nightmare thing for them. Um, just because that's not my battle doesn't mean I don't have them. You say, what is it? Probably it's my good looks is my biggest thing. Um, it's none of your business what it is, but we've all got them. Just be, by the way, just because you don't struggle with something and someone else does doesn't make you a better Christian. It just means that's not your battle. But it doesn't matter what your battle is. God said, you don't have to be slave to that addiction. You don't have to be slave to that sin. God said, I'm faithful. I promise you, I'll always make a way to escape. That's God's plan for us. We need to understand that. Uh, look, if you would, uh, to... Um, oh, I, I wrote the wrong reference down. Boy, do I hate it when that happens. Uh, go ahead and turn to Jude, uh, uh, it's chapter 1, there is only one chapter, the book of Jude right before Revelation. Jude makes a wonderful statement, wonderful promise to us. And he says in verse number 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. We've got to stop making excuses for our failure as we, as we uh, yield to temptation over and over again. That's not God's plan. Yeah, the spirit indeed is willing and the flesh is weak, but God said, I've given you a promise. You can do all things through Christ, and that means you can have the victory over that temptation. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, the the uh, RU ministry, Reformers Unanimous, uh, is an international ministry that's helped uh, tens of thousands of people struggling with addictions to overcome them. The lives that have been changed, uh, and, and it's, it's not through a program, it's through the power of Christ, just learning how to grab a hold of God's word and claim those promises and have a walk with God. It's an amazing, wonderful thing. That power is available to every single one of us, regardless of what it is that we struggle with. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're touching on just a few areas tonight because I just want us to understand it's God's plan for us to be spiritual champions that the song Victory in Jesus really should be our testimony uh, across the board. Romans chapter uh, 12, if you would, please. And if you'd look 
at the end of this, verse number 19, uh, verse number 18, verse number 17. Recompense, that means to repay, to no man evil for evil. If there's a fire and you throw a Molotov cocktail on it, what does it do? Just a bigger fire. You don't fight fire with fire. The Savior, or, or Paul said here, recompense to, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And, and there ought to be our goal to just do everything we can to get along with everybody around us, with all men. Now, let's understand this. So some people don't want to live peaceable. Anybody ever run into some of those? They're in all walks of life. I, I don't know who dubbed the name Karen, came up with those little videos. How many have seen them? You know, and, and there are male Karens too. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's unbelievable some of the things that people do. And uh, did you ever know you cannot reason with unreasonable people? There are people that can't see beyond their own nose. I mean, their world revolves around them, and that's pretty much it. But as a believer, we're supposed to do everything we can to live peaceably with all men. Uh, there's some people just don't want that, though. But God, So God goes on and gives us some counsel. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. Somebody does you wrong. Somebody lies about you, backbites, gossips, slanders, all that stuff. He says, avenge not yourselves. Going back to verse 17, repents to, recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't seek your own justice on it. Don't do that. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith whom? The Lord God has a way of taking care of that. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head and here's verse 21 be not overcome of evil that's talking about the evil that other people say and do against and about you don't let that don't be overcome of that don't let that destroy your joy don't let that destroy your testimony don't fall into the trap of fighting fire with fire and becoming just as nasty as that person is be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good again we can look at Joseph in the book of Genesis Almost everybody in his life for the first 30 years treated him badly. Potiphar treated him kindly for a while, but then he turned on him. The jailer did treat him kindly, but could do nothing as far as his release. While in the prison, Joseph helped one of Pharaoh's servants, and that man, as soon as he was released, forgot all about Joseph and his promise to him, uh, and so forth. But you understand, Joseph never became nasty because everybody around him was. Joseph didn't become unkind because others around him were unkind. He didn't become dishonest because others around him were unkind. You and I have no control over other people. We have total control over ourselves. God said, I want you to live with a, le a level of victory that other people aren't tearing you down. Other people aren't stealing your joy. Because, folks, we live in a corrupt, sin-cursed world. And, and we need to understand, we've got to stop blaming all of our unhappiness on everybody else around us and just realize God's provided me the strength to live with a measure of joy that far exceeds anything that anybody else does wrong against me. God wants us to have that kind of victory. God wants us to be champions over that. 
Um, God wants us to be a champion in, in spite of our past. Turn, if you would, we looked here this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Anybody here ever got anything in your past that you hope nobody else ever finds out about? Anybody? Yep. Past is a hard thing, isn't it? When Paul was talking about, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus, Philippians 3, he preceded that with the words, forgetting those things which are behind. A past is a hard thing to overcome if, if that past is filled with failure. It's hard when you've stumbled and fallen to try again. The devil has a way of whispering to us, saying, well, that's, just, that's it, God's done with you, and God doesn't love you anymore. By the way, sometimes other people will take up the devil's chant. Uh, there are people that they believe that their ministry is church historian. You know what I mean? But I don't mean they keep minutes of the business meeting uh, and that type of thing. Well, the church was founded on such a date. Their job is to keep track of everybody's failures within the church. And so, by the way, there is no spiritual gift called the church historian. But there are always going to be people like that. There are people that aren't going to forget what we've done. They're not going to forget how we failed, and, and, and nothing we say or do is going to change that. By the way, sometimes we can't forget our own failures. It's not just the devil and other people. Sometimes we can't get past it. But we've got to understand that uh, what is under the blood is gone. And other people might not forget, but guess what? They don't matter. The only one that matters is God. Paul shares his testimony. We looked at this uh, again this morning, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul had a past not to be proud of, but he understood it's under the blood. It's under the blood. I've been forgiven. I've received them. Like I preached this morning, but God. And you understand God wants us to be able to live above our past. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 tells us, brethren, if one of you be overtaken in a fault, meaning sins come into somebody's life. They've been overtaken. They've been defeated. They've been knocked down because of a fault in their life. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You understand it's never God's economy for us to walk around stomping on those who've been overtaken in a fault. We're supposed to reach down and do everything we can to help them to be restored to a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just throw this out there? Our backbiting and our gossiping and our slander doesn't accomplish that goal. But prayer does and love does and, and compassion does. We're supposed to be that good Samaritan that, that's out there looking for the one that's been beaten up on life's highway and try to bring them back to good spiritual health. Our past can be a hard thing to overcome, but aren't you glad that the Bible is filled with people that have a messed up past, but the grace of God used them anyhow? 
Remember Peter, the Savior in Luke 22 said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So right then and there, the Savior warns him, Satan wants you, he is after you. Did Peter listen? Not even a little bit. Peter rose up in pride. Lord, I'm ready both to go to prison and to death with thee. The Savior said, no, before this night is through, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, no, though everybody else should deny thee. And in the way he put it, though all these, Peter, or, or the, James and John and Thomas, they might deny you, but I never will. The Savior said, no, you're going to deny me three times. And before the night was over, that's exactly what Peter did. I wonder if there was a temptation on the part of some of those other uh, apostles that heard Peter spouting off that night and heard him ignoring the Savior to later on say, Peter, just who do you think you are standing up on Pentecost preaching? I know what you said. You, you understand, John was within ear distance of Peter's cursing and swearing when he denied Christ the third time. How easy could it have been for John to say, you think you have the right to stand up and preach on Pentecost? That ought to be me because I heard what you did. Thankfully, John was made of better stuff than thus, than that. And praise the Lord, the Savior didn't hold Peter's past against him. Yeah, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter got right with God. Isn't it wonderful that he's a God of a second chance, third chance, fourth chance, a whole bu a bunch more chances than that? Please understand this. God wants us to live as champions in spite of where our past might have been. That doesn't mean that God treats sin lightly. That does not mean that sin does not have consequences. That just means that, that God's not through with us. Hebrews, we mentioned this morning twice, says their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. That is the God we serve. And I understand there are some people who will never forgive us. There are some that will never let it go. Uh, and, and there's nothing that we're ever going to do to convince them. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about it. All you need to know is that God still loves you and God's not done with you. And God can give you a victorious life in spite of your past. Moses had a past. And it wasn't a real good one. Moses committed murder in his past. David had a past. Peter had a past. Paul had a past. Rahab had a past. Ruth had a past. Naomi had a past. We could just go all through our Bible, and there's a whole litany of people that had a past not to be proud of, but their story tells us, God can forgive that. God can turn that around and God can still put victory into their lives and he can do it for them. He can do it for you and I as well. Look, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Among all these other things that the Bible has said and we're, again, somewhat scratching the surface, God wants us to be champions in spite of our difficulties and trials and problems in life. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 14. Now thanks be unto God, which sometimes causes us to triumph in Christ. Uh, somebody just said, no, you're back topping. Was that you, Miss Ball? Yes, it was. Read it with me, church. Now thanks be unto God, which 
always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through difficulties. But through the power of Christ, God can always cause us to triumph in Christ. I've gotten to know a man in the last year or so. His name is Rick. I've mentioned it before. In the year the pandemic hit, Rick was injured in a work accident. He did a construction machine type job. Rick was a big, huge man. Uh, he's the kind of guy that when he wasn't at work with, with heavy physical labor, he was in the gym. Just a massive, massive guy. Rick and I are almost exactly the same age. But in one, in one tragic day, he was injured in such a way that his entire right leg was gone and his left leg was gone below the knee. If that wasn't bad enough, while he was in the hospital uh, recovering from the loss of, of, of both of his legs in that manner, he developed a blood infection, sepsis, and he lost eight out of his ten fingers. His thumbs are intact, but the other fingers are all gone at different joints of the finger. Uh, he was months in the hospital, got home. Eventually, as things healed up a little bit, he got fitted for the first prosthetic legs and so forth um, that, that he would wear. And once, a, once an amputee gets their prosthesis, then they go into physical therapy. And the job of the physical therapist is to teach us how to walk or how to use the arm, whatever it is that we happen to have lost. Rick went into physical therapy and after the first or second session, the therapist looked at him and said, Rick, you need to just accept this. You are never going to walk again. He had a motorized wheelchair. Uh, he had gotten one of those vans with the ramp that comes out and, and all of those things. They said, you will never walk again. Those are hard words to hear. Hard words to hear. Um, Rick, Rick had to listen to those words. You say, what was his reaction? He quit physical therapy. Not because he gave up and not because he quit. He just said, you're an idiot. I am going to walk again. There was something in his heart that said, I'm not satisfied for life in a wheelchair. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life in my recliner. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life uh, uh, crying and, 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 and moaning over the bad things that have befallen me. I'm not going to do that. I saw Rick last week. I train on Mondays and Fridays uh, up here behind the post office. The place where I train is in the basement of a building. You have to walk down a steep flight of stairs. There's no elevator in this building. That stairway uh, is the only way to get in there. And I was finishing up uh, my session with Sam, and I turned over to the door, and there standing in the doorway on crutches was Rick. And he was standing. He had come down the stairs on his own. He's, he's still maneuvering and so forth. Uh, it's not that he cannot walk without the crutches, but on stairs it's a little bit safer for him. And uh, as I was finishing up, Rick and I were chatting. Uh, Sam was setting up for him. Uh, Rick's goal, uh, job that day is he was going to deadlift. The guy missing both of his legs, yeah, he was going to deadlift. The same guy that was told you're never going to walk again, 
yeah, he was going to deadlift. See, there was something in him that just said, I don't accept defeat. I don't accept failure. There's got to be something more. Beloved, I'm asking us to, to consider not just a, a, a motivational type thing, but to place our faith in the teaching of God's word. It is not God's plan for any of us to be failures. It is not God's plan for us to be, be under the oppression of our besetting in sin and never gain the victory. God wants us to live above that. God doesn't want us to live demoralized because we've had the misfortune fortune of running into difficult people. God wants us to keep our joy, to keep our testimony, to keep our love for Christ strong. God doesn't want us to be stopped and, and tormented because of our past. He wants us to learn through the grace of God to rise above that and to see what, what else God can do in our lives. Fooey and what other people think and hold against us, they don't matter. The only one that matters is Almighty God, and He said He's not done with us. Amen? He who hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God would have us to develop, I believe, at this time in human history, the heart of a champion for the Lord Jesus Christ, and having done all to stand. The heart of a champion is about not getting our own way, living a life where there are no problems, where everything is easy. But no matter what life throws at us, no matter what the devil throws at us, no matter what this world throws at us, at the end of the day to stand with our testimony intact, with our faith intact, to be able to have the same testimony that Job had when he lost his children, he lost his wealth, and he lost his health. When all everything was said and done, the Bible said this about Job. In all this, Job sinned not with his mouth, nor charged God foolishly. That, my friends, is a champion. And that's what God would have us to be. And that's what this lost and dying world needs to see. Can we pray together? Father, thank you for the promise.